Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Boy, what a day it was between the hedges on Saturday, and we kind of knew going into it that it was going to be one of those days that we were just going to remember. I think a lot of us were pretty confident in Georgia going into the game. The weirdness that kind of of emerged with JT Daniels maybe changed some of that a little bit. By the way, we'll get into quarterbacks heavy before our show is done today, but it was just one of those days that like I, I shot up out of bed that morning you know uh, a little bit less sleep than I like to have gotten but no issue it's almost like a kid on Christmas morning you come flying out of the bed you're getting dressed you're getting ready you're getting in the car and you're just rolling down the road and you got the sense whether it be the crowd that was gathered around game day or the tailgating I mentioned this on our post game show uh, at the UJ bookstore on Saturday night there was this great moment for me where I was like walking over to do the dog walk and I heard like three things like simultaneous. I heard like the sounds of ESPN's college game day. I heard the red coat band doing some of their scales kind of getting warmed up. There was like rock music blaring from a tailgate and like all three of these noises just kind of blended together and like the perfect medley. And like, you just kind of look around and you're, and you're, you're left to say, you know, this is really the epicenter of college football. And it doesn't get more college football than this. And Georgia fans understanding all of that top 10 matchup in Sanford Stadium, Georgia fans were given a real challenge. Noon games are not easy, right? You know, you have to wake up way early. I mean, I talked to a lot of folks uh, on Friday who were, you know, have to wake up at 5 a.m. just to be there in time to even be where they needed to be in time for the game to begin. There was a lot of early wake up calls on Saturday. But Smart said that the fans needed to be elite. And I think it's actually a really generous act on Smart's part to make all of Dog Nation feel like they're a part of this because that's ultimately what people want from sports. They want to feel like they're a part of something big, they want to feel like they. They want to feel like their presence matters. And Smart, to his credit, does a really good job of making every fan in that stadium and everybody who is, you know, kind of watching on TV. He does a really good job of making them all feel like they're kind of a part of it. And really, after the game on Saturday, went so far as to even almost give a numeric value to what the impact of the fans was between the hedges this is going to be a fun show we're going to look back on a lot of what happened on saturday no better way to begin than this right here this is how impactful smart thought georgia fans were against the razorbacks on saturday here is kirby i think all you guys would admit um they were elite and we noticed it and to come out there in warm-ups and uh coming out of the tunnel to look up there and see every seat full at a noon kick um, it's special, special to be at Georgia, and they impacted the game. I thought the first series for Arkansas on offense, uh, our crowd was extremely disruptive. I thought our crowd impacted the block punt in terms of cadence and things like that, which forced a touchdown. So I give the, the uh, our, our, our crowds, our fans, at least 10 points, and that's big. And I thought the ESPN TV cameras did a really good job of capturing this. And they did something kind of unique. And if you're at the game, you should go back and rewatch this on TV if you can. You know, uh, as someone who does a little play-by-play myself, like those of us who do this are motor mouths usually. We can't shut up. And yet Chris Fowler at the beginning of the game on Saturday, he kind of laid out, right? I mean, uh, he was willing to let the natural sound tell the story of those first couple of plays for Arkansas. And those of you re- remember, it's the 
crowds getting louder and louder the seven nation army plays and everybody kind of gets that chant going and then there's this huge crescendo of noise and like fowler and herbster are saying nothing on tv it's actually kind of a cool moment they're saying nothing on tv they're just letting it tell the story arkansas fall starts back it up crowd gets even louder herb street and fowler still aren't saying anything and it's one of those things you just don't see this on tv very much kind of begin the game just letting the fans tell the story they kept getting louder they kept getting louder uh, arkansas kept responding negatively you know the shifting the movement of the georgia defensive line the noise of the crowd and it was just obvious from the word go that they were going to be overwhelmed by being between the hedges and the combination of the stout Georgia defense and everything else that was kind of going on with the program. The, the, the combination of all that was just going to overwhelm Arkansas. Smart said it was at least 10 points, crediting to the Georgia fans for that. He called them elite. But then later on in this press conference, he actually upped the ante and he raised the stakes and said uh, he took the, the idea of being elite. He took it to another level. Here's Kirby Smart again. To be that loud at noon, it's beyond elite. I mean, let's let's call it like we see it. We challenged the fans because I knew we needed them. They answered the bell. The players answered the bell. Total team unity and effort and buy-in from the fan base and everybody else. Now, if we can just not get complacent, coaches, players, fan base, take things for granted and not um, have that same impact at other home games, then then we can be a good football team. And uh, I thought it was – I know it's as loud as I've ever heard it at 12 because I've never even seen it packed at 12, but it may have been one of the loudest ever. I mean, doesn't it feel like that's really too – and first of all, I love the idea that Smart says, oh, it's beyond elite. And I was there. Connor Riley, who's producing today, was sitting beside me, and we kind of looked around at the very beginning of the game. And it just felt – I just felt very happy to be there. And I, I don't know. It's like, you know, you, sometimes you pinch yourself. You're like, I can't believe that, you know, I get to be a part of a college football is, is situation like this. And for those of us who were there, it's like, boy, whatever's happened in my life to lead me to the point where I'm sitting here right now, then things are going pretty well if I'm getting a chance to experience that. Because you know, there's just not a lot of days in life that give you that much fun and that much enjoyment. And it's not just about beating Arkansas. As Kirby said, it's about right now the fact that even with, and this has not been a perfect season for Georgia. There are star players who are injured. Darnell Washington, thankfully, came back and got a chance to play on Saturday, but he's probably still not quite back where he needs to be. Obviously, George Pickens, Georgia's arguably best player, got injured during spring practice. There is a major issue going on at quarterback. And yet all of that just seemed like on the back burner. I mean, it really did seem like that Georgia as a fan base, there's nobody arguing right now everybody just seems to be having a good time there seems to be a lot of as smart says a lot of unity amongst everybody who kind of kind of comes under the, under the umbrella of dog nation it just sort of seems like everybody's kind of moving in the same direction right now and i gotta tell you that's a pretty nice place to be as someone like who like me who sits here at this desk and in front of this microphone and kind of narrates this experience i gotta tell you this is a pretty good time to be doing a show like this this is a pretty good time to be watching georgia football because it just sort of seems like everybody's just kind of doing Right now, what you always sort of hope it can be like, which is coming together on Saturdays, watching a great team play great, having a great time do it. Just make sure you soak all of this up. Make sure you take all of it in because 
there are a lot of college football seasons that won't bring you as much joy as this one seems like it has the potential to bring and smart says you can't get complacent nothing's given nothing's taken for granted georgia didn't have this game gifted to them on saturday they had to go out there and take it from arkansas the same way the four games prior to that much the same way you got to go out there and take it from your opponent and it gets harder and i don't care florida lost on saturday and i don't care you know uh, what auburn looked like you know prior to, to winning the game against lsu i don't care about any of that kind of stuff you've got to take the same level of you know tenacity especially players and coaches the same level of tenacity for the rest of the season as you've had for the first five games but I'm along for the ride right now I think a lot of you very much feel the same way that you just can't wait to see where all this goes next let's talk on the field here for a moment there too because clearly and you don't have to look very far to see this in the national media what George is doing from a defensive standpoint right now two consecutive shutouts um you know, getting after quarterbacks, impactful in every way uh, you possibly can. What Georgia's doing from a defensive standpoint right now is beyond anything I've ever seen before. And I, I told you after the first game against Clemson that, you know, I, I just really felt like it was the best Georgia defense I'd ever seen play in a big game. And it keeps getting better because you, I, I think that what you've seen now replicated in, in all the games since then is is this is something that's that 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 truly is playing at the elite level smart says all the time you're either elite or you're not or at least he said that a lot this year i don't think there's any doubts where this georgia defense is on that scale right now they are clearly in the elite direction here and smart gave him a lot of praise after the game as he should kirby again i was proud of the defense because you know they got a good offense that quarterback is one of the toughest human beings i've ever seen he doesn't blink he doesn't flinch he, he's tough man he sits in there he's hard to tackle um, because Browse does a good job with off-tempo stuff. And, you know, hey, look, all we told our defense all week is you ain't played nobody. <laughs> and they went out and played, I don't know what they were, 26th, 30th. I, I really don't know. I know they had beaten two good football teams, and um, and they went out and they shut those guys out. And you know what we're going to tell them next week? They ain't played nobody, you know. So we're, we're going to keep preaching to get better and grow. Uh, we're not where we need to be. But as long as they're like buying in, because we got this really good uh, vibe on our team of complimentary football, special teams, offense, defense, and the defensive coaches do a great job of selling to the defense that, hey man, what you're doing is is elite. You're special. Now we didn't we didn't force the turnovers. I don't guess we got any turnovers, and that would be the one drawback that we're really trying to to get more of those. Does anybody doubt what Kirby Smart said a moment ago is true? Now, we're not in the locker room. We're not at practice every day. The media will get a chance to see some of practice here this week, I understand. But but it's this is not one of those things where we're inside the room to know what's going on. But when you watch the way the team plays, when you watch the way these guys are interacting with each other on the sideline, does anyone doubt for a moment, deny for a second, that when Smart says, oh, this team has a really good vibe going right now, there's a, there's a good vibe for this team. Does anyone dispute that? I mean, doesn't it look like they're having fun playing with each other? And this team's not even fully healthy yet. There are guys who we think are going to be huge contributors who are either not playing or not playing yet at the level that they might be, and your starting quarterback is injured, for goodness sakes. And yet that's that's doing nothing to uh, harsh the melody, you know, like to, you know, kill the buzz for this Georgia team. They're just having a good time. I don't think anybody would argue that's what's going on right now. And it's one of the reasons why when it comes to issues with the offensive line or issues with the running back or issues with any of that kind of stuff, you know, we said, hey, just give it time. You know, let this team show you they can throw the football. 
And all of a sudden, defenses now have to think about how you want to defend UGA. You can't do like you did in 2019, where you just stack the box and dare you to throw it because you thought Georgia couldn't do that. All of a sudden, now opposing defenses are in conflict, especially Arkansas, who likes to drop a lot of guys in coverage anyway because that's kind of benefits their personnel. But, but I mean, they had seen Georgia throw it against Vanderbilt, Georgia throw it against South Carolina, Georgia throw it with Stetson Bennett against UAB. They had seen the way this passing game has evolved under Todd Munkin, and they had to defend on the basis of what they'd seen on film. All of a sudden, that opened up opportunities for a running game, for a running game that's been maybe slow to, to, to get out of the starting blocks to begin the season. On Saturday, they had their opportunity, and Smart said the coaches were ready to take advantage of that, knowing it was maybe going to be there. Here's Kirby again, this time in the running game. It's not a reinvigorated run game as much as it is you take what they give you. And we felt like it was important to play the game patient but aggressive. And I I, I, I would have definitely thought there might have been 53 runs in this game, 57 runs, whatever there were, because that was the kind of game plan that we needed to approach it with. And you know what? It might be different next week. The best teams I've ever been around – can take on the personality of what they need to take on. And I'm really proud of the offensive line. I'm proud of the offensive coaching staff. We did an incredible job game planning against what is a very good defense, in my opinion, a very good defense. And they did a really good job of game planning for that. So it had nothing to do with Stetson Bennett, the quarterback, it had nothing to do with the reinvigorated, reinvigorated run game. It had to do with what we thought it took to win. So let me finish up this portion of the conversation by saying this. First of all, that's really strong stuff from Kirby Smart there. But let me finish up the portion of the conversation by saying this. I told you on Friday's show, for those of you who got a chance to, to experience that, I, I told you on Friday's show that I thought Saturday was a day for UGA to make a statement. And I brought up a few times last week that Notre Dame game in 2019, which was the big hyped home game against a highly ranked opponent, and yet George was also a really big favorite that day. And most Georgia fans, I think, went to Athens back in September of 2019 thinking they were attending a coronation, that George was going to put on a show with the new LED lights, they're going to dominate an opponent that Georgia fans have zero respect for, uh, the Fighting Irish. And it was all just going to be really, really easy. And the game actually turned out to be a little tougher than we thought it would, even though Georgia won the game. It wasn't the kind of bold, brash statement that a lot of folks thought Georgia might make against the Fighting Irish and that game was in the back of my mind going into Saturday against Arkansas because what I said going into the game against Arkansas was this was a chance for the 2021 dogs to make the kind of statement that Georgia couldn't make in 2019 and what I told you on Friday was hey boy uh, to me, a flex from UJ would be Georgia in the 30s, Arkansas in the teens. If you won this game 30-something to 17 or 30-something to 14, that was a message to the whole world that Georgia football is meant to be taken seriously here in 2021. And I said that thinking that JT Daniels was going to play at quarterback. I, I said that thinking that Smart was probably sandbagging by by mentioning the the Daniels injury on Wednesday, that Daniels would play, Georgia would score 30-something points, Arkansas would get there 14, 15, 16, 17, whatever else, and it was a chance for Georgia to make a big statement. Well, lo and behold, Daniels wasn't healthy enough to play on Saturday, and yet it did not matter. Georgia got its 30-something, they got 37 but they shut out the number eight team in the country in their own stadium with a gazillion four and five star recruits there with fans frothing at the mouth, making it as loud an atmosphere as you ever could. It was a statement for Georgia. It was a much more emphatic statement that I even had imagined possible. And it doesn't win you the national championship. We can't do that in first Saturday in October, but it certainly sets Georgia up on a course here and on a, on a path towards 
what really could be a special season. Right now, there's unity amongst the fans, amongst the players, amongst everybody else. Everybody seems to be having a good time. And as long as, as Smart said a moment ago, uh, no one gets complacent in all of this, as long as uh, game phases remain on, this fun ride that George has been on, maybe it's going to continue for a few more weeks as well. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. Good to have you with us, no matter how. You get to us today live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Of course, starting at 945 at dognation.com and the Dog Nation app. Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref podcast, Apple, Spotify, uh, the Google Player for the Android folks. There's all these other like podcast platforms I don't even know about. We're on all those too. That's a really cool thing. Some of you listen right there on SoundCloud. Some of you listen right there at dognation.com. However you get to us, really appreciate that. Big, big thanks to all of you. And a huge thanks to Pella Window and Door of Georgia for making it all possible. Energy efficient windows and doors. That's what they do for you. Better looking on the outside, feel better on the inside. Nationally known company, which means unparalleled resources. Locally owned branch right here in Georgia, which means you get unrivaled family-oriented service. You can meet them in person. You can meet them virtually. You can walk through all the options that are available to to really take advantage of something that can really make your house better in terms of how it looks on the outside, which can increase your resale value, how it feels on the inside, which can help you save money on your energy bills, all kinds of good stuff. Also, between now and October 28th, you can take advantage and get 40% off qualifying installations or 0% interest if you pay for your project in full within 12 months while also making regular payments. So good stuff there. Pella's got great warranties there as well. Unparalleled expertise, just good stuff all the way around. A couple of ways to get in touch. Find out online, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Or give them a call, 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Just let them know. BA from Dog Nation Daily said they would take good care of you because I know that they will. All right, we have John Stinchcomb here coming up in just a moment. We'll do a classic city logger insider update with him. We're also going to get more heavily into the quarterback situation before the the show is done. I'm going to kind of like share my thoughts about this to John, about what I think George should probably do here. Now, listen, I'm not a medical expert, so (laughs) you should certainly take all of this with a grain of uh, salt. But uh, John and I will talk quarterbacks. We'll let you hear what Kirby said. Actually got, you know, a lot of fireworks in that postgame press conference when the subject of Daniel's health came up. So that'll be pretty entertaining. We'll do all of that here coming up in just a little bit. Before that, though, I'm going to go around the doghouse. And it's assisted today by AAA. And I thought there was a very, very important moment in the early stages of Saturday's game that to me just shows program growth for UGA. And listen, Smart has always known way more about football than than I ever will. But it is important to remember that we have watched Smart in his first seasons ever as a head coach. And I'm sure that Smart would privately talk about the ways in which he's kind of maybe grown and matured over the course of that time. And I'm sure his own feelings about his own personal growth may be different than what I've observed for him. But there is one area in which I think that Smart over the years has clearly changed for the better. I think it's important to note this. And I think for those that think of Kirby Smart as a competitor, when they think of Georgia as a competitor, what you're seeing from Smart now, I believe is really bad news. Because once you pair great talent with like, an aggressive mindset then it's game over go home it it, it really is I would say that over the course of Smart's first few years as a head coach 
I kind of think that Smart was at times a little too conservative. Not just when it comes to like running when you could have thrown or getting after quarterbacks when you, as opposed to like dropping back and being gap sound. I'm talking about, you know, when do you go for it on fourth down? When do you forego the chance to punt? There were a few times in the early Smart years where, like, I mean, he'll punt from like the 37 yard line or inside the 50. And, you know, you just don't want to see an elite team do that. You want to see an elite team kind of grab its opponent by the throat. More and more, that's what you're seeing Georgia doing. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. On Saturday, Georgia's got its defense playing at an amazing elite level on offense with a lead. This is the time in the past where maybe the old school football mind would say, oh, your defense is playing so well, just just, just punt the ball and let your defense do its thing. You'll get the ball back in a moment. But the correct attitude there is, hey, my defense is playing so well, so let me be aggressive on offense. And that's what Smart did, going forward on fourth down, converting there early in the game and talking about why he did. As we're around the doghouse assisted by AAA today, don't miss this moment from Saturday's game because it's an example of the fact that as the Georgia talent's kind of coming into its own, Smart is seemingly also coming into his own as an aggressive coach. This is bad news for UGA's opponents. Here's Kirby. Well, I wanted to show confidence in our players and our offensive line and the, the demeanor we're trying to create. Um, and to be honest, I got a lot of confidence in our defense, you know. So if we don't get it, we got to be able to handle that. And we were not in field goal range, right? So it was not a real hard decision for me. It's either punt it and gain 20 to 30 yards or go for it and possibly get seven points. So it didn't make it real hard. And if we hadn't gotten it, and I'd live with that too. You know what I mean? Like that's part of it. That decision was made uh, a long time ago in my mind. I mean, I won't bore you with all the math geek stuff, but it absolutely is almost always the better decision to go for it on fourth down from a probability standpoint if you have the choice. That compared your odds of converting the fourth down and then turning that into a, a drive that – that scores points compared to what happens even against Georgia's elite defense when you give the football back to somebody else mathematically the odds are almost always on the side of going for it on fourth down you know Lane Kiffin got dragged a little bit on Saturday for his fourth down attempts against uh, Alabama mathematically those were also the right decisions there as well it's results oriented thinking to criticize it because it doesn't work you don't know what the result's going to be before you do it you have to have process oriented thinking infinite game type stuff here uh, you have to have that going on and in football it's almost all always the better mathematical decision to go for it on fourth down there is a mountain of research on that from people far smarter than me so I'll, I'll invite you to do your own research on that but the results will bear out what i just told you it's almost always the correct decision to go for it on fourth down however now that smart is doing this using the idea of i've got an elite defense so let me take my offense out for a spin i've got an elite defense let me put my foot on the gas and i'll be more aggressive with my decision making I'm telling you right now, this is bad news. And it, bad news for the folks who might be playing, George, I mean. And it really is becoming more deeply entrenched in his attitude as a coach. Because what Smart said Saturday after the play worked was one thing. But remember, go back to a year ago against Tennessee when he made a similar decision that didn't work. And yet Smart's attitude on this was very much the same thing. That if you're a competent coach who believes in your players, you make decisions to be aggressive so it's easy to say that after it works but here he is after Tennessee from a year ago when it didn't work here's Kirby Smart from 2020. If you don't go for it on fourth and one at the goal what are you telling your team? <laughs> I mean really that decision was made long 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 ago so fourth and inside the one on the last play of the half that decision was made for me probably 20 years ago um, it's just 
who who I am, what I believe, and philosophically, I don't I don't really care what the score is. That's just what I believe. So I, mean, I think that's uh, terrific stuff. A elite collection of talent with a coach who believes in that team wants to show them how much he believes in that team willing to be aggressive now on fourth down something i would say that in 2016 2017 2018 smart probably didn't do enough for my taste but he's doing it a lot more now and that i think leads to an even more lethal version of georgia football and saturday was certainly an example of that it's around the doghouse it's assisted today by our friends at triple a and of course when you think about triple a i want you to think about their legendary roadside assistance i'm traveling a lot on the weekends and clearly that's something that i enjoy when i'm doing high school football on fridays going to athens on saturdays whatever else but you also want to think about triple a as well for your auto insurance too because when you switch and save with triple a you can save on average 529 dollars. that's real money that you can put in your pocket that makes a difference in your life so switch and save with triple a go to triple a.com slash auto insurance more details on that it's triple a.com slash auto insurance for a lot more uh details on that all right before we're done we'll get into everything that kirby smart said about quarterbacks on saturday we're a little clip heavy today smart said some interesting things i want to highlight a lot of that so we'll do that here coming up before our show is done a little combative on daniel status and kind of what that means but for now on everything else the improved play of the georgia offensive line at least seemingly where this team ranks in the country maybe only in comparison to one other team right now a lot to be said about all of that let's do that with john stinchcomb right now as a part of a classic city logger insider update great to have him great to have all of you with us here as well on dog nation daily today from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a DogNation.com insider so uh really really uh good stuff from saturday georgia gets the dominant win against arkansas and there's so many different ways you can kind of break this down and look at it and see kind of what's going on there i'm honestly kind of curious to hear what john stinchcomb has to say about this today so let's get ready to do that right now as part of a classic city lager insider update john wing start big picture here you saw some things i'm i'm guessing you had liked in the offensive line it was clearly as dominant a victory in a big game as georgia's had at home and really going back as almost as far as i can remember at least when you give the uh, ranking of the opponent as a as a part of that discussion what did you think about the dogs on saturday well i think they continue to separate themselves this was a game that i think we all were expecting to uh, bring some clarity uh, what kind of team is is georgia how, how good is arkansas they're a, they were ranked top 10 and quite honestly you look across the country and there is a stratification between the top two teams and everyone else and uh, very fortunate for Georgia fans. Georgia is one of the top two. And, you know, conceptually, you watch them play, and there's times where they look like the best team in the country. I think Saturday is a great example of that. Arkansas came in with a lot of momentum and uh, confidence and really liked what they, they had coming to Athens. And it wasn't five minutes into the game before it was pretty evident for everyone that they were woefully overmatched uh you start up front georgia uh, their ability to to execute was probably the best that we've seen this year across the board up front you know the the, the front five was putting a hat on a hat and moving folks and arkansas with that kind of unconventional uh what do they call it a three five i mean there's yeah. three down linemen and they've got the multiplicity coming from the the second level of that defense and and really they didn't have an answer for Georgia's run game on Saturday, and I, you talk about quotes. I like Coach Pittman's quote 
you know, they played bully ball and, and forced <laughs> us to like it. And uh, that was very much the case. Yeah, that's great. And I'm sure you're like me, uh, John, that it's kind of nice now to have this game in the rearview mirror. We can go back to doing what I think you and I both enjoy doing, which is rooting for Sam Pittman. Seeing him there on Saturday and on the sideline in the middle of the field, it's kind of weird to see him in the role of foe as enemy on Saturday. I much prefer him <laughs> in the role of, you know, if he's not going to work at Georgia, then let me, you know, cheer for him what he's doing somewhere else because I do think that Sam Pittman's great for college football. I think his personality is what we need in this sport. He doesn't take himself too seriously. He seems to have a good time. So I'm more than happy to start rooting for him again now, although I was glad that he lost this past weekend. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. He's such a likable guy. I think everywhere he's been, he brings class. And uh, quite honestly, I wasn't expecting Arkansas to to make the leap that they've been able to meet, uh, been able to make under Coach Pittman, especially not this fast. I mean, he's really turned that program around, and and they play him with confidence. And uh, you know, obviously, they're not on the level of the Bulldogs and and what team is right now but um it's good for him that he was able to go home and I'll, i will always be a, a coach Pittman fan so i say this all the time and you're right i mean clearly arkansas is not in the same weight class as georgia right now but john you know this because you earned some of these victories over the course of your college career it's not easy to get an easy win against a team like this and whether it be yeah. georgia handling arkansas alabama handling ole miss or any other games you might want to point to where the final score is kind of an impressive margin, I think you're making a huge mistake if you look at that and say, well, I guess Arkansas is not any good, or, well, I guess Ole Miss is not any good. I mean, you know, a a lot of times what this is really about is is about the team that was favored going out there and flexing the way they were supposed to. And the honest truth is my assumption is uh, that Arkansas will go on and still win plenty of games this year because a lot of what they do works. Styles make fights, and some of what Arkansas does well well, just doesn't really compare very well to Georgia because of how dominant the Georgia defensive line is, as a for instance, that it makes it hard for Arkansas to assert its stuff against UGA the way it can against some other opponents. But sometimes the blowout win is not one of those things where you go out and say, well, I guess this wasn't a big game after all. No, it is possible just to play really well in a big game, which is what I think that Alabama did against Ole Miss, but in this particular case, what Georgia also did against Arkansas across all three phases of the game. I mean, you start with that first quarter. Dominant defense made uh, plays on special teams that resulted in points and offensively did what we've been begging this team to prove they could do in, in running the ball effectively. So, um, you know, with the, the controversy, if you will, at quarterback, uh, being able to come into a, a big-time top-10 game where college game day is in town and there's lots of pressure it was the stage was none too big for any of the phases that, that Georgia threw out there and um, you know don't underestimate Arkansas we know for them but um, that's a good team dude. got a little bit of a phone issue with uh, John uh, I think John we lost you there for a second but I think you're back with us now uh, you can finish that uh, last sentence if you want to I think we dropped out on the, on you for a second there yeah, for, well, it, it, I don't think you can undervalue that Arkansas is a good team and Georgia just really came out and made them look pedestrian at best. And, and I think that goes to the, the mindset that this Georgia team is playing with right now. How, how cool is it for you, and I think Holly Rose said this on the TV Saturday, that 
you know, noon game compared to the night white game. I should say the night game white out for Penn State against Auburn. Louder decibel level there at Sanford Stadium for the early start. Smart had made that challenge. Smart gave a lot of credit to the fans after the game's over with. You're a former player, so you kind of see the world as a former player. I've been a fan my whole life, so stuff like this is kind of it kind of matters to me. I love the way that Smart makes the fans really feel a part of this. And to me, part of the fun of uh, this Georgia team thus far this season is how deeply entrenched the role of the fans seems to be in all of this. It, it's got to be, and quite honestly, it, it's harder when you play in a number of big games like Georgia does. I'm, Penn State, yep, that, what a cool atmosphere that was with the wideout. But those are rarities. I mean, it, they can get up for those games, and I love the Holly Rowe was saying it was, what, 105 decibels at, at the Penn State game, and it was already 110 in that end wow. zone wow. for Georgia against Arkansas, and I, I think that just speaks to the uh, fan base recognizing that you know Coach Smart asked for the fans to turn out for an early game, and they they answered that call just like the team has this year. When um, you're a good team and you you play in the SEC, you're going to have more than one moment. <laughs> you know, there there are other teams that prepare for that whiteout game. Well, I mean, how many how many of those has has Georgia had already? At least two. And with more expected down the road in the regular season, not to mention uh, what's to come after the regular season ends. So um, I, I think it's it's a, a battle that you try to create consistency of, of playing at a high level, and that expectation extends to the fans. Where you know, it, no more complaining about you know powder puff home games. Yeah. We need you to show up with regularity, and, and Georgia answered that call on Saturday. You mentioned a moment ago the comparison between Georgia and Alabama. It's fairly obvious that those two teams have separated themselves and the rest of the country, but if you want to do the side-by-side here for a moment, do you think that Georgia has made a strong case of being better than Alabama, at least based on the beauty contest the first five weeks? If you had your vote, are you giving your number one vote to Georgia at the moment? Uh, no, because I want Georgia to stay hungry. I mean, <laughs> if... if, if if it was a secret ballot, maybe, but, you know, I, I think it's always best when you can play that underdog role and uh, have such a talented team like Georgia. There's still plenty to prove. I mean, we, we played good ball, but uh, I think everyone, given the choice, would want to enter into that scenario um, with, the, with the chip on their shoulder saying uh, there's still more to prove. I got to some more I want to talk to you about here in a moment. Obviously, the quarterback thing, a big thing from Saturday. We'll get into all that in a moment. Let me remind folks, our Classic City Lager Insider Update with John Stinchcomb right now. Of course, we love Classic City Lager. I had a little bit of Classic City Lager yesterday, kind of relaxing, watching some NFL football, and just enjoying a uh, good Sunday home. A little rainy outside. It actually worked out to be a pretty good day after what had been a very busy weekend. So uh, I'm sure many of you doing the same thing this time of year. It's just good cold beer. I'm a simple guy. I like simple things, and uh, Classic City Lager is that's a lager style beer which means it's a lighter beer but there's no sacrifice in flavor it's a craft style lager look creature comforts has been famous for 
craft style beers for a long time some of the most beloved in the industry and now classic city lager kind of the next iteration of all that kind of a lager style craft beer selection really fun six and 12 pack cans wherever you're doing your shopping you can find some classic city lager it is just good cold beer so make sure you check out some classic city lager today john it got a little combative after the game on saturday when it comes to kirby smart asking being asked questions about jt daniels obviously georgia withstood the absence of their starting of its starting quarterback uh, against the razorbacks seems hard to imagine they could do that though for the rest of the season and it seems likely that the status of daniels and the questionable nature thereof lat injury once the oblique how connected are they i'm not smart enough to know that one way or another but the point is it seems like we're going to be doing this now every week for the next several weeks of wondering how healthy jt daniels is what do you make of this situation at the moment well, I mean, it's unfortunate. I, I think JT Daniels gives Georgia the best opportunity to win at the end of the day. I like Stetson. I think he can, comes in, he plays with confidence, but he's just not, uh, he doesn't have the ceiling that JT does. I think JT has the, the mastery and the ability to, to see and execute in ways that Stetson doesn't. Obviously, Kirk Herbstreet's a big fan of Stetson's mobility, as he mentioned multiple times on Saturday. <laughs> Which is, you know, that you got to factor that in. That's it's a more mobile guy. But I think uh, most Georgia fans understand that um, when you're playing, looking at the big picture, playing in those big games, JT Daniels is the man that you want taking snaps from under center. And um, with lingering health issues and, you know, these obliques, these lat muscles, I mean, it, I don't know exactly what he's dealing with, but I've I've seen and played with guys that had something similar. I'm guessing, and they linger, and it's it's one of those annoyances at times that you're either trying to tolerate or play through. Um, once you get to that point where you can tolerate and play through it, and um, that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. I mean, the the, the football season doesn't wait for any player to heal. Uh, it keeps churning on. So the quicker a healthy JT Daniels can suit up and um, be Georgia's best option again, I think that's better for, for the entire team. So let me give you an opinion, and I'll be the first to tell you, John, this is not an informed opinion. So this is just kind of my own armchair quarterback, or maybe it's like the armchair medical trainer <laughs> opinion about the quarterback here for a moment. But there's a part of me that wants to say a – partially healthy jt daniels that's partially available to georgia is not doing anybody any good it's not doing daniels any good it's not doing georgia any good and we're going to hear the audio of smart on this topic before we're done but if smart does truly believe in stetson bennett if he believes in his defense if he believes in his team if he believes this team is is capable of rallying around whoever's playing quarterback then maybe you just got to shut JT Daniels down. Maybe you got to say no practice this week. You're not playing against Auburn. And I'm not saying that because I think Auburn's going to be a pushover. On the road at Jordan-Hare Stadium without JT Daniels is a really tough game. Auburn showed something on Saturday against LSU. This is not a walk in the park necessarily going you know, on the plains on Saturday. I, I, I get all of that. It's not, a, it's not a disregard of the opponent for me to say that. It is, a, it is an idea 
that that maybe more rest would lead to a healthier Daniels later on and that maybe he's capable of playing against Kentucky and being in rhythm for the following Saturday against uh, Florida. But maybe the idea is maybe they shouldn't even try to play Daniels on Saturday. And if you really are a national championship team, you can prove it by winning on the road with Bennett against, uh, you know, a hated rival like Auburn on Saturday. I realize that doesn't come without risk. But, John, maybe that's what Georgia needs to do right now. Yeah, and, and that's a difficult call to make. It, it Sometimes it, it can be the right call, but it's you're weighing that decision of, is he ready? Are we are we forcing it? Is it? Are we creating situations where it lingers longer? And also balancing that with Auburn's a good opponent in a difficult setting that is playing like a, a cornered animal right now. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they, they're playing with a, a lot to prove, and um, no one less than Bo Nix, who, you know, is a, a prideful guy and shows flashes at times and other times uh, isn't quite up to the occasion, but he's got he's got some talent and he can scare some folks. And um, it's a game that you don't want to walk in too lightly. Not that I'm saying Georgia has that mindset or, or that's a fear, but um, I, I don't disagree with you, BA. I think if if it's one of those injuries, and like you, I don't know exactly what he's got going on, but if he can benefit from an extra week of of giving that muscle time to to heal then i think it's certainly worth weighing as a coach and medical staff i mean ultimately it's not the coach's decision right Right. between the player and the medical staff but if they if they can analyze it and and kind of zoom out and there's none better in the country than ron corson um and say this would benefit him if for him and his, his health this season to to lay off a week then that's the best decision. Now, with that said, BA, sometimes these injuries, you know, you're not you're going to feel them all year long, and it's not going to heal until you have six weeks yeah. to give it time off. That's so, important. You know, that's probably the discussions they're having. No, that's important, John. I'm glad that you brought that up. That maybe a little bit of rest only does so much good. Maybe it's one of those things where if you had a lot of rest, it might make a difference. And uh, yeah, I'm just not smart enough to know the uh, difference there on that. But that's uh, really good stuff, John. Thanks for being here as part of our classic City Logger Insider Update. We always love hearing what you have to say about these uh, big George wins, and they're coming fast and furious here this season. I hope that continues, and we'll look forward to getting a chance to talk to you about that here next week. It's been a great season to be a Bulldog. Boy, it really has, John. We'll talk to you next time. Sounds good. Thanks, B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, really good stuff from uh, John Stinchcomb. Man, uh, it's important to bring that up. We're going to do more quarterback here before we're done. We'll hear from Kirby, and it got pretty um, you know, pretty intense there for a moment. Smart going back and forth with some reporters on Saturday. But John's addendum to what I said of, hey, maybe it is just rest, right? Give him the rest, you know, let him get healthier. Because a lot of that's based on the idea that what's more difficult, trying to win a game at Auburn without Daniels available at all or trying to win games later on this season with an injury that maybe lingers a little longer than it otherwise would. That that becomes the, the, the comparison here. And I, maybe there's just not an easy answer to this, but if there's something you could do now to make it better later, even if it made it things more difficult in the immediate 
I believe that's probably the decision that I would make, and you better believe there's going to be a lot said about that here this week. Something else is going to be talked about a lot as we head into the Deep South's oldest rivalry on Saturday. Auburn and Georgia going head-to-head, and this is like a really fun thing. It's a what they call the Beat Week, where both Auburn and Georgia are trying to beat each other when it comes to uh, giving for the various uh, alumni associations. This is a really fun thing to do. For those of you that love supporting the great work that the university is doing, great chance for you to show that. If you go to dognation.com right now, right there at the top of the page, you can kind of click in on this, and there's like the Beat Week. You see Auburn on the one side, you see Georgia on the other. You can click to give to Auburn, or you can click to give to Georgia, and, and clearly dog fans here want to give to the dogs. And as I'm looking at early this morning, I've got 28 folks already given to Georgia. None yet have uh, given to Auburn, at least when I checked on this you know, very early in the morning. I know it's going to get closer as time goes on here so we talked to you about the UG alumni association a lot we really believe in the mission of the university of georgia the way in which it's making the world a better place through research through you know raising and educating that next generation of georgians to go out there and impact the world there as well obviously it's financial resources to do all of that a lot of the ways in which some of you show your love to the university of georgia is by giving to uga well not only can you do that this week and you also beat uh auburn as well as their folks trying to do the same thing here it's it's kind of a fun good nature competition so if you go to dognation.com click the the banner right there at the top you'll see the chance to participate in beat week here this week and beat auburn as a dog folks give to the university of georgia here raising some money for the alumni association all right let's transition now to our sec through and my gosh we could do an hour's worth of sec through today we can't obviously spend that much time how much fun was it to see florida lose to kentucky on saturday and as predicted dan mullen would find a way to celebrate the close nature of the loss he was asked after the game and i don't know which reporter asked but i guess credit to that person for uh you know (laughs) phrasing the question this way did you get out coached uh when you lose a game like this and uh mullen's like no i wouldn't get out coach we uh outgained him you know talked about the the yard advantage that florida has like this guy will celebrate the most meager accomplishments in the face of a loss did that against you know alabama a couple weeks ago did that against kentucky on saturday and lo and behold who would have thought and i say that sarcastically because we you know basically said this that when you have spent the whole first month of the season in the friendly confines of the state of florida playing fau playing what south florida uh playing alabama playing them close there in the swamp florida patted itself on the back for doing that tennessee the following week lo and behold when you go into hostile territory things get a little bit more difficult uh a commonwealth stadium um a little bit of a uh, much more challenging place to be and florida lost and you know credit to kentucky here this has not been a perfect season for kentucky but they are five and oh right now and so you know they got their reason to celebrate when it comes to all of that so i think this is a really pretty fun time to watch dan mullen have to squirm here a little bit uh, to think they've already lost twice this season halfway to the four loss total they put together a year ago we are very happy about all of that you better believe at the end of our show when it comes to golden shoe submissions we're going to be hitting florida hard the next couple of weeks and it doesn't make the game against uh florida for georgia any less important or any less you know intense or anything like that georgia still got all the motivation in the world to beat florida coming up in a couple of weeks but we revel in the gators demise and after saturday against kentucky and we had some fun with this on social media on saturday night florida fans are turning on their own right now we started off off the show talking about all the unity that exists around dog nation right now uh there is not unity in the community when it comes to the florida gators here at the moment so uh that is all really fun also the other big story around the sec on saturday ole miss goes to alabama the beginning of the game now remember what the backdrop for this game had been 
Michael Wilbon had called Lane Kiffin a uh, clown. Remember that? And a lot of folks got really upset with uh, Kiffin, or should I say with Wilbon, for making it personal against, uh, against Lane. And what we said was, listen, being at Ole Miss for five minutes and scoring some points and being funny on Twitter, that's not enough to make people completely forget the way in which you know Lane Kiffin had kind of behaved in his past, whether what can be confirmed, what's been alleged, whatever else. That you got to do more than that to completely change your reputation in the eyes of folks who don't have – you know, uh, you know, a stake in the game when it comes to Lane's success there at Ole Miss. And I got to tell you, on the basis of this little dust up, Michael Wilbon's the clear winner here. Wilbon called Kiffin a clown and Kiffin behaved like a clown before the game. You can't do the get your popcorn ready mic drop and then go out there and get blasted. You just can't do that. And it's like the whole thing was just so phony and contrived it wasn't even like coming from like a genuine authentic place he's got the headset mic on he's like get your popcorn ready he totally rushed the delivery it wasn't natural it's like this thing that he planned on doing then almost got too nervous to actually pull it off it didn't come across as real and plus like the idea of the mic drop has become such a a cliche that actually nobody really does mic drops anymore that's i mean that's the thing is like the mic drop moment is such a put on thing anyway that people don't do that but kiffin literally did the mic drop he had the headset microphone on he said get your popcorn ready and then took the headset off and just threw it on the ground they were down 35 nothing within the first five seconds at least it seemed like that way um you know what a disaster for lane kiffin and you know i talked about this I think it was on the pregame show on Saturday, our Kroger kickoff. So Nick Saban goes and does this interview with ESPN where it's the story about the way that Kiffin and, and Saban had worked together. And like, it's hard to get Nick Saban on the phone, right? But think about this. Like the ESPN writers, there were two of them in the story. I think Alex Scarborough was one. I forget who the other one was. So they basically interview Saban and ask him to talk about Lane Kiffin. Like, there's no way Kirby Smart's going to do an interview about another coach and basically make another coach sound cool. He wouldn't even done that for Sam Pittman, who he actually genuinely likes. Like, he's Smart's just not going to be, uh, as they say in pro wrestling, he's just not going to put him over that way. And, like, uh, Saban's, like, putting Lane Kiffin over to, to no end on this ESPN interview. And I'm reading this thing. It's actually pretty fascinating. So I'm reading the story. I'm like, why is he doing this? Like, why is why is Saban helping Kiffin sound cool like this? And then you see the game play out on Saturday, and you're like, oh, Saban doesn't view Kiffin as a real threat. He's willing, more than willing to make Kiffin be the offensive genius and the guy who helped transform Alabama. He's more than willing to, to make Kiffin sound like basically Saban's henchman, but, you know, he's not worried about that, you know, kind of, um, you know, making Lane Kiffin be a real threat to him as a head coach of all the former Saban assistants who think that they'll one day beat Nick Saban. It's fairly obvious that Nick Saban does not think Lane Kiffin will ever do that. Otherwise, he's not going to praise him to ESPN the way that he did. And listen, uh, you know, Lane Kiffin has been fun for Ole Miss. And Lane, Ole Miss is going to probably win some some games the rest of the season. But, I mean, you've seen the way that Alabama, whether it be Big Al, the mascot, uh, the people on CBS, like – everybody is roasting kiffin for the whole get your popcorn ready comment he walked right into it it's just not the kind of thing i I say this sometimes that is just not presidential like you know you know this this thing where you give a ready-made you know jab 
to any would-be rival or any you know blowhard on TV or anything like that, when you make it that easy for your opposition, Michael Wilbon included, I don't know if Michael Wilbon has spiked the football over his Lane Kiffin stuff, but he would have every right to do just that. All right, let me do a couple other things uh, very, very quickly here before we hear more from uh, Kirby Smart. Uh, I'll, I'll say this very fast. So I hate Auburn as a Georgia fan, and I can't stand to get picks wrong, and I picked LSU going into the game against Auburn on Saturday. Even with all of that, watching Bo Nix on Saturday was still incredibly entertaining for me because this is just the thing that makes college football college football. Like there was nothing from the recent past that would suggest to you that Bo Nix was going to go on the road and play the role of Johnny Manziel for Auburn against LSU. But he's like on the, he's in the pocket, he's on the move. I thought Joe Testor had a great call for the game because he was really kind of giving voice to like the miraculous nature of Knicks leading Auburn there that night. These are two like wildly inconsistent teams. Both programs in their own way are kind of a mess. This was good stuff. And listen, I didn't stay up till four in the morning when this game ended. I recorded it and watched it early Sunday morning before I went to church. But even still, this was just a lot of fun. And I don't know what it means for Georgia against Auburn on Saturday. I really don't. But I got to tell you, I was pretty entertained by the Bo Nix show on Saturday, and uh, that's kind of a weird thing to say because I was not rooting for Auburn, both because I don't like Auburn and because I picked against him. But, uh, but you know, Nix did his thing on Saturday, and that was just kind of one of the things that makes college football college football. All right, one more thing here. A lot of you want me to take my medicine because I really have talked up Texas A&M, and that looks like a disaster right now. Now, I'm still not selling stock in the program all the way around, but they are clearly kind of a mess here through five games. So if you want to mock me for that, by all means, get that in. And tomorrow, when we have a little bit more time for SEC through. We'll let some of y'all drag me across the coals if you want to for all the stuff I've been saying about Texas a because they've now lost twice. And they lost to what I thought was the worst team in the SEC on Saturday. So I deserve every word of that. We'll give you a chance to do that tomorrow. For now, we'll make that your SEC through. And we want to turn our attention back here to the Georgia Bulldogs for a moment on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Endo and Door of Georgia. Because speaking of getting your popcorn ready, for those who were tuned in for the press conference on Saturday for Georgia after Arkansas, they got some popcorn moments because – Kirby was asked, I think in every instance, justifiable questions about JT Daniels, and Smart was pretty fired up. Now, I think it's fairly obvious to kind of see what's going on here with Smart, um, but nonetheless, it got pretty interesting. There was a lot of reaction to this over the course of the last 24, 48 hours on social media, so let's cover some of this right now. JT Daniels doesn't play. It had been rumored to be a game-time decision. The you know, being on the field when the warmups were going on, it was it was very, very clear just to the naked eye that Bennett was the starting quarterback, that Daniels was not behaving like a quarterback who was healthy enough to kind of go out there and do what he needed to do for Georgia on that particular Saturday. There have been some mysterious moments involving quarterbacks this season during warmups. This was not mysterious. It was very, very obvious that it was going to be Bennett's day against Arkansas on Saturday. So what about JT Daniels? Smart talked about that after the game. Here's Kirby. Yeah, it's week to week, guys. I mean, do your research on a lat injury. It's one of the largest muscles in the body. Um, it can be strained. It can be stretched. It can be torn. Uh, Dak Prescott went through this injury, and, and Dak's, we think, was more extreme. Than, uh, getting a little bit of an echo there, Claude. Um, Dax was more extreme than we think JT's is, but JT's is a grade one uh, lat sprain, and we think we're going to be able to get him back. Um, but we don't know when, and 
I know this, the men in the locker room have confidence in whoever we put out there. And I know y'all don't believe what I say. I know you say, yeah, whatever. That's just coach speak. We have confidence in our quarterbacks. Like I have a lot of confidence in Carson Beck. Brock Vandergriff goes in front of me every day. So I'm very pleased with the quarterbacks we have. It's unfortunate that JT can't go because it's not like we've done anything to make him worse. If anything, he's had a lot of time off. And we don't know if, you know, the oblique, compounded the lat but they're two separate injuries and uh it's been flaring up on him and it's a painful injury that we're hopefully going to get him back from but i can't explain it any more than that but i'm not losing sleep over it guys because it's beyond our control and stetson bennett is a really good quarterback and i keep saying that and you know people don't believe us but uh, he's a good quarterback i'd love for smart to speak more on the subject of and maybe it's just unknowable or maybe the answer is just no but I'd love for him to speak more on what if Daniels didn't practice this week? What if he didn't play on Saturday? By next Tuesday, is he a healthier quarterback if he does that? Because if that's the case, then what Smart said there at the end is not true. The notion of it's completely out of our control. I mean, if 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 rest would, would improve his condition, then it is somewhat in your control. And it just simply comes down to a matter of do you need a 85 or 90% Daniels, whatever he is, to try to play against Auburn because you feel like you're in a dangerous spot on the road if you don't have Daniels. And there's a chance that you do. I mean, there's a chance that Auburn on the road is just a really tough spot. And even though Georgia's you know, nearly as big a favorite in that game as they were at home on Saturday, maybe the, maybe the actual game is in Smart's mind tougher than that. Maybe you do need to have all hands on deck, Daniels included. But if I could ask Smart a question, maybe I'll get bulldozed the way that some of the other uh, inquisitors did. But that would be kind of my thing of – do you think he would just benefit from more rest? And, you know, Smart's not going to say, yeah, we think we can beat Auburn without Daniels. He's not going to say that. But, but uh, you know, in a moment of candor, I would be kind of curious to see, do you trust Do you trust Bennett enough? Do you trust your team enough to go on the road without Daniels? And if you did try to do that, would, would that benefit JT to have that extra week? Smart was, though, pushed a little bit on the thing of, well, was Daniels close to being playing uh, on Saturday? Because you had kind of said it might be a game time decision. Uh, here's a little bit more of a heated exchange between Smart and a reporter. Was it close at all? Or Stetson made it sound like he was he was the number one guy. Why? Why is this the conversation? I mean, was it close at all? He couldn't play. He couldn't go out and effectively lead the team and play. To do that, you don't need to have a strained lat. Now, could he have gone out there and handed off the ball? Possibly, but that's not – guys, you're missing the window. Like, y'all y'all are making the story all about that. The story should be about these fans. The story should be about these, these, these players that go out there and lay it on the line and play and play their butt off. And I'm so proud of our offensive line, our tight ends, our receivers who didn't get a ton of catches and they blocked their butt off, and their defense and the special teams unit. Make it about that, guys. I mean, JT's going to be okay. Make it about what matters. Well, I only ask that follow-up because you you did say that, that it would be based upon the pregame, but that's but right. Will, it, it, it'll I'm, be based about it'll be based upon the pregame next week too. Because so we go ahead and write that down. It's going to be based upon the pregame next week to see if he's ready to go. So to a degree, I think Smart's got a point that on Saturday, what mattered for Georgia more was how it responded without JT Daniels than the fact that Daniels didn't play. 
But if you listen to the post-game press conference, it's what, about three or so questions before Smart finally got asked about Daniels, four questions before he finally got asked about Daniels. I'd say that our post-game show reflected a similar sentiment. We probably talked for about 20 minutes in the post-game show before we got into, hey, you know, Daniels' health is going to be an issue for Georgia. So I, I think that what Smart's saying is true, that what Georgia did on Saturday was the most important thing. And I felt like that media in the press conference our commenters in our post-game show kind of gave Georgia its moment. Hey, how good was this offensive line? How good was this running game? How dominant is this defense? Talk, 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 talk. Oh, yeah, by the way, what's going on with your starting quarterback? And I think that was kind of the appropriate appropriate ratio, that it's not a – it's not a non-story. You've got to talk about it, but it's also not the biggest story. And I thought the press conference and our post-game show, for the most part, kind of reflected that. I think our content on this show kind of reflects that there as well. Now, Smart's going to exaggerate his point on this because he wants his team to continue to have something to rally around, and I kind of get that. But at face value, the notion that on Saturday something mattered more than Daniels not playing, that's true. And I think the way in which Meaty reported on the game, fans talked about the game, I actually think that fairly well reflected all of that let me let you hear one more of smart kind of talking about kind of you know what it really means for this team to have this conflict right now of how healthy Daniels is and how well that Georgia can play with Stetson Bennett if Daniels is not able to play one more from Kirby do you think your ceiling is just as high with Stetson Bennett this year as it is with JT probably not a fair question because you're asking me to make a comparison or an opinion. And I've probably seen more snaps of those two than anybody, right? Because I was here the whole time with Stetson. And some of our offensive staff has been here the whole time with Stetson, as well as Monken's been here the whole time with, with JT. So I don't I just think it's a hypothetical, Jeff. And I'm not upset with you for asking it, but I would have begged to my team, why does it matter? Like I think that both of them are really good players. You know, and we have a lot of confidence in both of them. And I think the outside perception is that, like, one guy's way better than the other. And I think both of them are really good. And I'm proud of both of them. I'm so glad that they've handled it the right way. JT's frustrated. He wants to play quarterback, and and he he doesn't get to when he has an injury. Stetson just goes out and does his job and and wants to be there to help the team. So I, I I don't think ceilings. I think growth. And that's where my focus is. Let me do a quick final thought on this really quick. And, you know, on Wednesday when Smart says the thing about the lat injury, I guess I had a, a perception where I thought that was. I thought it was Smart sandbagging. I thought there's no way Smart would volunteer this if it really was true. And it was clearly a mistake to try to presume what Smart motive was for saying the things that he said. And so I'm not going to try to do that on this either. However, one can't help but notice that the way in which the news unfolded that Daniels likely wasn't going to play and then eventually it became more likely than not that he wasn't, the way that unfolded actually worked out pretty masterfully for Georgia because parallel to this, you have this intense crowd you're trying to build up. And imagine the air that would have come out of the balloon in the stadium on Saturday had people just found out right there in the spot and in the moment that Daniels wasn't healthy enough to play. Because as Smart alluded to, this is true. The outside perception is that Daniels is better than Stetson Bennett. I have that perception. I think just about everybody listening has that perception. He is the starter for a reason. Smart also, I think, you know, uh, privately you know, would acknowledge, you know, why people think that there as well. But Georgia does have a capable backup, a backup that it has won plenty of games in SEC play with over the course of the last couple of years. And some of those moments have actually been pretty big. And so Georgia on Saturday was able to, in a very clever fashion, 
move from its starting quarterback to a backup quarterback without deflating the atmosphere in the stadium and put a game plan together against the number eight team in the country that resulted in a 37 nothing win that's pretty impressive all things being equal for uh, georgia this is going to be a story that lingers but georgia showed you on saturday that it kind of has a plan to handle all of this. And obviously a healthier Daniels later, I think really matters for Georgia how you get there. I'm not smart enough to know. But on Saturday, all the buttons that got pushed from a physical and emotional standpoint, they all got pushed very, very effectively there for uh, Kirby Smart. One more thing before I wrap up the show. Uh, A lot of you had uh, big-time action down on games on Saturday with my friends at BetUS. I hope you won. I mentioned a moment ago getting it wrong on the Auburn-LSU point spread, but there were also some games I got right on Saturday, which always kind of feels like a nice thing. And if you haven't taken advantage of the big sign-up offer from BetUS, do that today because when you uh, first get going there with my friends at BetUS, America's most beloved sports book, been taking care of their players more than 25 years, when you find that out for yourself by signing up today, you're going to get 125% sign-up bonus. Use the promo code DN125. The DN stands for Dog Nation. The 125 stands for the 125% sign-up bonus you're going to get. That means you put 100 bucks in your account, they're going to give you 125 On top of that, you start with $225. That's just like a simple math way to understand all of this, which means you're a winner before you even place your first bet. Monday Night Football tonight, baseball playoffs get going this week, all the sports action. You can get wagers down on all of that with my friends at bet us of course heading into another big college football weekend coming up next weekend dn125 the promo code to use 125 percent sign up bonus your reward for doing so betus.com that's the website make sure you sign up today all right as promised we're going to have a lot of fun with the uh, lousy stinking gators and another loss for florida a close one they can celebrate this time to kentucky first of all let me give a shout out here to uh, somebody on twitter who shared this with me a uh dan uh, scotchmer shares this with me he says the cat's social media team wins the weekend i appreciate dan sharing this it's the viral video that you may have seen of with the kentucky head over the dude putting the uh, gator in a uh garbage can first of all this is just an amazing act of humanity to even get the gator corralled like that and to think it's the cat mascot that's pretty good stuff all the way around uh great job by kentucky on that uh so yeah dan we'll give you a golden shoe for sharing that with me because i think that's uh really pretty funny also uh good job by kentucky on the big screen at kroger field commonwealth stadium on saturday they showed off uh, harris english the guest picker at game day on saturday the only one on the uh, set there to pick kentucky over florida good job by english for getting that ride after winning the Ryder cup nailing that picks a pretty good job and then funny to see uh harris english celebrated on the big board there at commonwealth stadium good stuff all the way around how about how about gatorator countdown 26 days from right now dogs will beat the lousy stinking gators again we believe we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by pella window and door of georgia and on the podcast, time off the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. First of all, let me just say a quick apology. So yesterday we did not have a podcast cool down. And it was because of a logistics issue that I was dealing with. And it was one of those things where I was going to try to record something short and let all of you know that, hey, sorry, can't take comments today, but we'll do it again tomorrow. I was going to try to do that. But it was also one of those things, if I took more time to record that, it was going to be a little bit later getting the show up. And so I made the decision, I hope it was the correct decision, but I made the decision to say, okay, well, let me just get the show up today without any kind of cool down reference whatsoever, and I'll just apologize for it tomorrow. That way, there are certain people, because we try to get the show posted by like 1230 every day, that kind of like to listen to it during that lunchtime, and, and out of respect for those people, 
I try to get the show up as quickly as I can because they have a specific time they want to listen to it. And so I think we were, I think we were up yesterday by 1245. And so I made the decision to get it posted earlier as opposed to take a few more minutes. Long story short, we just didn't have the cool down yesterday because I had something I had to do yesterday. And so we got the regular show, but no cool down. But today we are back with the cool down. And we'll take a couple of your comments. You can hit me up on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily. You can put the comments in the comments section when I post the show each and every day at the dog at dognation.com. And just really appreciate all of that. I, I, I briefly mentioned Larry Munson off to the top of today's show. And I had also kind of shared recently um, the terrific SEC Network segment they put online of the SEC Legends broadcaster documentary they're doing. And it's amazing how many people have responded to that with their own feelings about Larry Munson, Gary Harris saying there'll never be another like him. Uh, Jason Free checking in to say Larry was the best. I would love to hear him talk about this defense. I'd, boy, that'd be great. He says, we always turn the volume down the TV and listen to Larry on the radio. He made the game so much better. Yeah, back then, my experience was it was way easier to do that. You know, now, and I'm not smart enough to know why this is, but because of like the satellite technologies and the way in which everybody's got DVRs now and all those different things on your TV makes the TV signal slower than it used to be. If you're ever watching TV outside the stadium or like if you're in the press box and the TV's on, you really are, are, are you realize just how far behind the TV broadcast is from the live action. For instance, if I'm sitting in the press box, you can watch a play and then see the result of the play and say, wow, that was an interesting play. I wonder what happened. And then you turn around and look at the TV screen behind you, and you can now watch not the replay, but the actual play itself happen on TV. That I mean, the actual broadcast is a good 10, 15 seconds behind what you're seeing in live action. And my memory is, and maybe it wasn't quite this way, but my memory is is that you know TV when I was a kid wasn't quite so far behind. Um that it was a little easier to watch both things at the same time. Now, there's also a way now that if you want to pause your DVR and you can get it synced up now, but you have to work a lot harder to do that than you used to. But, yeah, it was very common, very common to listen to Larry Munson and um, and, and watch the game on, on TV. We did that in my family growing up so much. But there were also a lot of games that the only way that I ever experienced the game was listening to Larry Munson. The game wasn't on television. I remember being – at some of my parents' friends' house for the 93 World Se- 92 World Series. For the 92, Braves weren't in the 93 World Series. For the 92 World Series. And I remember, like, the whole, you know, crowd for the watch party is in the living room uh, uh, watching the Braves and the Blue Jays. And I remember sitting in the garage listening to a Georgia-Kentucky game on the radio like the uh you know just some random georgia kentucky game that was only on the radio it was not on tv it's only on the radio while the, everybody else in the world was watching the braves and the blue not that i wasn't interested in that too but it's like you know i couldn't get too settled in on this braves game until i figured out exactly how this georgia kentucky game was going to go so yeah I, I mean i i have you know i have pretty vivid memories of, of a lot of that, whether it be syncing up the TV or just listening to the radio, because that was the only way to listen to it. Michael Bush says, Larry was one in a billion, an absolute treasure. I used to listen to him while I was watching the game at uh, 
uh, Sanford and sometimes at away games in later years. It's never been the same since he's gone. I wish my kids could have had that experience. He's uh, as much a Georgia legend as anyone. Totally agree with all of that. How many people still listen to the earpiece in the stadium anymore? How much of a thing is that? Uh, I don't feel like I see as much of the. Of course, I'm not really in the stands as much anymore either. But you know, it used to be a very common thing. Like you know, you have the hat on and you have the the headphone radio over that, or you just have the you know the the smaller earpieces. But the folks listening to the radio while they were watching the game, that was definitely a very big thing. And for road games, you know, the George broadcast team would always like throw a banner, a small banner outside the broadcast booth of what frequency they were on locally. I always kind of remember that kind of being a thing there too. Uh, very much a, a a big deal. And you know what Munson was as much as anything was a narrator of the experience. Yes, he called the game and sometimes that was your only way of experiencing the game. But what the the memory of Larry Munson is not so much the the specific play-by-play calls. It's the experience of having been a fan living through that game and Munson's narration of the feelings around it, the emotions around it. That was as prominent as anything on that. And I'm glad to know that so many Georgia fans so many years later still have those very, very prominent memories of all of that. And I got so many messages on Twitter to that effect, and that was a really cool thing to be able to see. So for all of your comments, whether they be on Twitter or at the comment section, dognation.com, or however you get to us, thanks for sharing those as part of our podcast, Cool Down. Big thanks to R.S. Andrews for making it all possible. Of course, you can find R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. If your water heater goes out, in many cases, R.S. Andrews can replace it for you the same day. But you've got to find them online at rsandrews.com in order for them to be able to do that for you. So check them out, and then check us back here again tomorrow as we bring you Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then, everybody.